for it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Welcome back to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pictureless podcast highlighting the weird, funny, and bizarre elements of baseball that make America's pastime special. I'm once again joined by the magnificent Brandon Riddle, and we are excited to bring you another episode packed with weird baseball and weird baseball we have on tap today, don't we, Brandon? Yeah, you know, it's we haven't talked baseball for like a week right now, and I think a lot of weird baseball has happened in that last week and turns out in the last couple hundred years as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this episode, uh, it, it really does live up to the the tall tales in our name. Uh, yes, yeah, especially I, I see there the first bullet point you have is um a tall tale. A tall so that's going to be right? getting right to our namesake. Yeah, yeah exactly. so we, we got a tall tale, which I, I just saw a couple of words in there that included potato and Ripley's Believe It or Not. So yep. I'm ready to go for that one. Uh, we're going to talk about the pickle jar, of course. Um, we got a little bit about um, Archie, Moonlight, Doc Graham, because, of course, we just had the Theo the Dreams game. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> now that you've walked us through it, I just see this pickoff trivia question. Oh, goodness. And I'm going I'm to let you read it because this is, I don't think I've ever read a trivia question like this before. Do you know the answer to this? Or I don't know the answer. I just saw it off a of Sabres website and go, um, that's the one, and we'll find okay. that together. Okay, it's going to uh, be weird then. Okay. Yeah, our, our, uh, very weird. Our pickup trivia is, what slugger's name is composed of four body parts? There, There's no year or era, so what slugger's name is composed of four body parts? Uh, Unless, like, if you look at the birth certificate and it's, like, severed fingers, like, actually spelling out oh Mike or something like that. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure it, like, we have Lefty Gomez, but that's a pitcher, of course. Yeah, I, I mean, do nicknames count? We're going to say yes. Okay, because, I mean, <laughs> my, my initial reaction was, oh, you've got, uh, what's his name, Mordecai Three Finger Brown. And then I'm, I'm thinking, okay, the well, other that's two a, names yeah. he has are not body parts at all this is hard because because you don't know it either so we really have no hints here and it could be throughout baseball history i'm gonna go with i'm just gonna make one up on the spot this guy's name was probably probably like 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 skull skull femur uh smith <laughs> and he probably um, he probably smith. walked up to the plate and swung a swung a bone i, don't I, know. I definitely <laughs> think his last name is johnson but let's find out Oh, um, <laughs> this Back is going. Episode. Do you want to know right at the bat, or do you want? I a hint? I don't think I'm going to guess this. Okay, give me a hint. Oh no, no, we're not going to get it. We're not going to get this. This isn't okay, okay. obvious. Okay, can I ask um, a question? Is it? Are we are we talking upper or lower body? Like torso or legs? Oh goodness, um, it's a little bit of everywhere. Probably, it's a little bit of everywhere. Which I was wish I read this beforehand. Uh, so it's not actually like his name's not elbow, arm, and toe. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, it's phonetic. So like okay. Tony, toe, oh, knee. Because okay. my next, my next, my next guess was going to be uh, circulatory system uh, Carter. Right from, from there, the you 19, go. Perfect. 1920s, right. <laughs> <laughs> Great nickname. Uh, no, I'm not it was guess this. What, Tony Armas. That is hor- Tony. Yes, uh, this was a bad oh, trivia toe question. Knee. Toe, toe, knee, knee okay. arm, as yeah. Um, I guess wow. he played for the Red Sox. What looks like in the late seventies, early eighties. So um, yeah, that was a reach. 
That was yeah. I boo. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, that was fun. It was entertaining. That was, was a good time though. Yeah, good good trivia. Yeah. That All right. So uh, total reach. <laughs> so uh, what we got going for this tall tale? That's right. It is a tall tale, uh, and it is the uh, story about a game from nineteen or excuse me from eighteen ninety three. Yeah. So wheelhouse that allegedly ended two and a half runs to two, uh, two and a half to two. And this was actually submitted by one of our listeners, Brandon, uh, shout oh. out to some Mike, uh, Paragini. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, for the first time. Um, who, yeah, I, he, he sent this to me over discord and he said, you guys, you guys have to do this. And I, I, I very much agree. Now, now we're doing it and it's, it's full circle. So shout out Mike. Uh, he also, also, uh, a couple submitted it a while back, uh, said we should do frozen ropes for, for the uh, oh, okay yeah the pickle, the pickle jar. jar right and we ended up doing that last week and i forgot to uh forgot to shout him out so shout out to mike i hope you're having a, a great day uh <laughs> listening to this uh so yeah let's talk about a very very tall tale and that is uh it all comes from this this newspaper headline from the 1930s right and it, the headline reads ball hit with axe splits in two pieces now this headline came out in the you know this this i guess this story uh, was published a, a couple different times, but this is what we found. And so the headline is from the 30s. Uh, there are some stories from the 40s. But the actual game occurred about 40 years prior to this headline even coming out. Uh, now, even th- published. Th- this is beautiful because a lot of times newspapers in the 1930s about baseball games, those in themselves can kind of be unreliable exactly. uh, for a variety of reasons. So to have this headline come out about the game 40 years ago when at that time when even the 30s newspapers were kind of iffy but now we'll go back to the 1890s this is just a magical area we are really deep into hearsay territory here and i am excited uh so (laughs) so this story uh at least the one told in in this headline 1930s it was told by a 19th century pitcher in the atlantic league his name was william wild bill setley yes yes phenomenal nickname uh and if you can believe it uh, wild bill was quite a wild player and he was notorious for you know being a prankster uh in the clubhouse on the field and for telling tall tales oh so we got ourselves an unreliable narrator is what you're saying exactly exactly <laughs> so what well, i mean and this guy's great i feel like we could if i if we really looked into him we could find a whole you know litany of of crazy tales this guy's done but like for example this wild bill character telling this story uh Allegedly, one time when he was pitching, uh, he substituted a peeled potato for a baseball. Um, you know, he's he a prankster. Talk, Another time, <laughs> talk about mashed potatoes. If they hit the ball, anyway. Sorry, uh, that was that. So, so the trivia was a reach, but that was so much worse. <laughs> I'm sorry, so, it was so much audio. worse. I need to be proud of that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, another another story that I I ran into and and, and found was like uh, this. So after his playing career, this Wild Bill character became an umpire, right? And so he was umpiring a game. He's the third base umpire, and there was a play at third base where he had his his back turned to first, right? And he called an out at third base, and without turning, he he called an out at first base as well. And so immediately the dug, you know, the te- the the hitting team, uh, you know, they're up in arms. They're like, "There's no way you could have called that guy out at first base. You literally weren't even facing that direction." And then he pulled a tiny mirror out of his pocket, or th- or so the story goes, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so if nothing else, yeah, this guy was a prankster. He was really into props, and I I, I love this wild girl. Was was he me? <laughs> right. <laughs> it, like, can you imagine something like that happening today? If you. Uh, it'd be great. 
so anyway, that establishes the background for our, our unreliable narr- narrator, uh, this this pitcher named Wild Bill. Uh, so before we get right into it, uh, just just kind of looking up how this 40 year old story came to print in the 1930s in ni- 1940. So Wild Bill uh, in 1937, he contacted Robert Ripley of Ripley's Believe or Not <laughs> in New York City. And Robert Ripley, you know, he told a story to him and Ripley uh, gets him on the radio. Right. Uh, So he can tell his half a run story on, you know, the national airwaves. Uh, So that's that is how it's believed that it came up in the headlines 40 years after the fact, Uh, you know, because he tells a story and then everyone's like, that's ridiculous. And newspapers write it and it gets syndicated. Uh, so this Wild Bill character, I mean, we literally have Ripley's Believed or Not tied into this story. <laughs> it's just it's so baseball and it's so awesome. So anyway, an- enough enough background getting to the story itself. So uh, as the story goes, it's 1893 and it's a state league game between Allentown and Pottsville, both teams in Pennsylvania. Uh, and it's the 11th inning there. It's been just a grueling game, right? It's it's tied up uh, at two apiece. Uh, and the Allentown pitcher comes up. His name's Mike Kilroy. He comes up with two on and or excuse me, two out and one on. Uh, and he breaks his bat fouling off the very first pitch that he sees. And so it's an 11. It's an extra inning game. It's been 11 innings. And there have been a lot of broken bats that day. So many, it, it, it's it's very convenient. So many broken bats that the one that Mike Kilroy broke in his his first swing off the foul ball was the last bat left at the field, or so the story goes. So clearly, they don't have the equipment to finish the game. So Pottsville, the pitching team, they wanted to they wanted to call it, uh, but you know Mike Kilroy, he's like, no, you know we're gonna. I deserve my chance. I deserve my, my hacks. We're going to, we're going to figure it out here. here. So, so Mike Kilroy walks over to the wood pile. This is also great. Walks over to the wood pile that powers the clubhouse furnace, which is just a hilarious, I, you know, it's 1893. It's just a great, it's a funny mental picture for me. Somewhere. Right. Somewhere, somewhere there is Ron Swanson nodding his head saying, that a boy. (laughs) This is a very Ron Swanson uh, story. So anyway, he he walks over to the wood pile, and what I think is great is instead of picking up like a hunk of wood or something, he just picks that's up that's on axe. fire. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was on fire, but I assume there was wood stacked to feed it. But he picks up the axe, and so Potts feels like no way we can let this this guy, you know, swing, but. This guy is waving an axe around, and in that scenario, I mean, who are you to tell the guy no? He, he's, he's got an axe in his hands. It just wouldn't be very, very safe. <laughs> so through through arguing and, and whatever, so the umpire relents, and he's like, you know what? Get up there. Get your, you can take your licks at the ball or whatever. So, so that's how Mike Kilroy steps into the box with an axe in his hands. Uh, so the very first pitch, or I guess the next pitch he sees, uh, Mike Kilroy, he swings and allegedly slices the ball cleanly in half uh, with one half of the baseball being popped up and being caught by the first baseman and the other half oh, man. flown over the fence. H- had, had he gone with, you know, one was popped up and another one is like a dribble to third baseman, I could believe that. So I'm, I'm on board. I mean, right. I have issues with, you know, everything about it, but that he has the gall to say one half went to the first base, the other half, I hit over the moon. Just, just, just... From a physics standpoint, I, I know. Like, how does that happen? Right. Like, I mean, 
It's I'm a mighty sharp me. blade. It will it will cut. Right? Like, it has to be the sharpest axe, in, like, in the country in 1893. And <laughs> it, I'm sorry, but it, it just reminds me of that scene in the Sandlot where Benny the Jet Rodriguez knocks the stuffing out of the baseball and they have the oh, women scene. Good one. And mm-hmm. even that ball didn't go very far, right? And clearly, I mean, yeah, that one was caught. The, yeah, clearly the Sandlot is is a a scientifically, uh, you know, renowned piece of media, right? Everything was 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 very very true to how it would happen in real life, of course. I mean, it, it gave everyone the blueprint as to how to make a s'more. So, yeah, scientifically accurate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, just the thought of one half just being a weak little pop up and the other half flying over the fence, which also it's eighteen ninety three. They probably don't have fences, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so it just, it just, there's a lot of holes in this story, but it's fun. So we'll keep going. Um, so Kilroy starts running around the bases while at the same time, the team on defense, Pottsville, they're celebrating because they got the, the last out of the inning at, at, uh, at first base. But Kilroy, when he, he, he rounds third and heads home, he steps on home and he starts arguing with the umpire that since one half of the ball went out, he deserved half a run. Logic seems pretty sound to yeah, me. Yeah, totally. Guess. Sure. And this is already after he argues to to swing an axe in the batter's box in the first place. So he's really pushing his luck here. And also, I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but this is the pitcher. This is the Allentown pitcher that hit this. You know, obviously back in those days, pitchers actually practice swinging. Not everyone was Otani, so I get it. Yeah. Yeah, but this is like, I mean, it's its not like it's like the slugging center fielder. It's its the guy who's who's throwing like, you know, right. Uh, so he, he's arguing with the umpire. And I don't know if this guy is just super annoying or what, but the umpire <laughs> actually relents again. And he in in and gives them half a run. He gives the the team half a run. So the That's game fabulous. ends up ends up ending uh two and a half to two and i don't know if that's because the umpire is thinking like you know it's the 11th inning i've got a barbecue to get to later (laughs) uh like i'm just i want to go home uh (laughs) but yeah so that's how the game allegedly ended two and a half to two now i'm just gonna brandon do you believe this (laughs) so i i desperately now after this want to go back and all the old newspapers look 1893 up in pennsylvania and i will find that game somewhere i'll actually i'll amend this on a scale of one to ten what is your plausibility rating that you would give this story Uh, do we do imaginary numbers because it's an imaginary story. No, I love the story so much, but there's <laughs> no way it happened. I I would be so happy if it did, and I'm going to earnestly look into this, uh, but I, I can't see it being plausible. But what about you? And that's the thing is that there's really not anything that you can it, – it's not really something you can even really look into because there's a handful of newspaper clippings from 1940 – or late 1930s, 1940s when this – when this was this story was was reprinted 40 years after it happened so there surely isn't any newspaper yeah. info about this this game in ni- in 1893 so i just i i mean for me i'm a believer i'm a not not in this story not in this story but just generally i like to believe things you're my molder to my you're molder to my yeah. scully yeah yeah exactly like I, I i just think that you know i don't think at the time in 1893 i don't think that it's implausible that he could have argued his way into taking a swing with an axe. I think it's, it's ridiculous. It's definitely ridiculous. The it's like, Oh, every single baseball bat was broken in a time when all these baseball bats were 
like we talked about last Oak week trees. Or, or last time literally just just trunks of trees just these massive you know hammers right i've likely it's probably um you know mike kilroy thinking a couple years later you know that remember that one game we ran out of bats you know yeah. what i should have done and you know what would have happened if i did <laughs> yeah and it's 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 i think i think that you know i could see possibly baseball was much less organized in 1893 and you know the rules were a lot less consistent and you mm-hmm. know basically it was the wild west era uh you know wild bill there wild you go. bill there you yeah. go yeah and so i could believe maybe that that this guy just was so so set on taking his swings that he argued into swinging with an axe i don't think that that ball went over the fence no no no, no. <laughs> now now let me ask you this what household implement today would you use as a baseball bat if your baseball bats were all broken? Okay, is that going to be excluding traditional uh, substitutes like broom hand, like broom handles and 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 stuff like that? You got yourself a broom. Maybe you got a good you know, like aluminum feel, handle. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that out the window because that's you know stick ball and that is uh, you know mm-hmm, the most common mm-hmm, household mm-hmm. implement. I'd say if I had to pick, I feel like a. Well, now I'm into something with with blades. Now that I'm thinking about this guy cutting a ball in half, um, I'm, now I'm looking around my my house. Uh, I think a rolling pin would be kind of cool. Uh, you know, I feel like rolling that would make it, it's round. It, it it depends. Are you going for something that's fun? It, you know, could make a good story or something that would ha- give you what, the l- most likely chance of hitting of most on likely base. to get on base. Okay, yeah, I feel like something like a rolling pin. Rolling pin. I was almost thinking like a cutting board because you have all the area you yeah. can swing with. Or yeah. bunts with at least. It'd be, a, it'd be a, yeah, it'd be good for bunts. It'd be really hard to swing that with any kind of any kind of speed. Uh, I feel like a, a fly swatter. I mean, not not like one oh, of that'd be that'd be a fun little thought. Plastic yeah. ones, but we have like a, a <laughs> thick like like big old fly swatter that I think could do some damage. Um, I I just love I I would try to pick the largest most awkward thing to carry as possible and, and try and swing it out. No, if that's trying just to like swing, a, like like a nice big comfy pillow. You make oh, contact. You make contact like, with it. I want to get like a. I, I get. You know. Can I like grab a TV and just see if I can bring it around the plate? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I, I think we we can. And when you combine just the the holes in this story with the uh, colorful uh, tendency to to exaggerate and tell these t- tall tales from the you know uh, Wild Bill who gave us this story back in the in the 30s, I'm gonna say this didn't happen. However, it doesn't mean that it's not one of the best baseball stories ever, <laughs> right? Like, does the story have to be true for nope. it to be great? I don't nope, think nope, so. Nope. I don't think so. <sighs> All right. Well, that's going to bring us over then to our next wonderful segment, The Pickle Jar. It's coming back. Well, well, right. It never left, Noah. Never left. It never left. We just took a, <laughs> took a, a, a week off, but <laughs> The Pickle Jar. All right, so this week we're doing one I've not heard before today. House by the side of the road. Okay. I actually have heard this one. So oh, okay, so you on. know. You know, yeah, okay. I, I, I have heard this one, and it is it's probably, now that I think about it, one of the one of my favorite baseball expressions. Really? Because it's it's definitely one of the rare ones, but just for how visual it is and how uh you know, it, it just makes sense. It just makes sense. So I'm going to let you go first. Brandon, what do you think a house by the okay. side of the road is? So I, I was looking at a house by the side of the road. And in my mind, you're in the car. You're traveling past it. You look by it and it's just sitting there. Okay. Okay. Um, so maybe it's like a player not hustling on the base. He's like a sack of potatoes just laying there. That's that's my first thought. 
Uh, but of course, as I say, um, you're driving by a house, you look at it as it goes by. Oh, maybe it's something to do with the uh, watching the pitch go by. You. <laughs> there you go. And that's, I'll, I'll, I assume that's, I'll, I'll give what I think it is. I think it's it's watching a pitch go by, you know, taking strike three because you're sitting there like a house by the side of the road. So, Brandon, is that is that what it it ended up being? Yeah, it's like a batter who strikes out looking. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. It's, uh, it's, you know so, it's-, it's so descriptive, which is great. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's descriptive, of course, because it came from two people. Um, the person who popularized it in baseball was the legendary Detroit Tigers uh, radio broadcaster, Ernie Harwell. And he got that phrase from the poet Sam Walter Foss in the late 1800s. Ah. Yeah, so scholarship I really love, here. In- I, I love how, how baseball intersects with poetry. That's cool. <laughs> That's- yeah, just like our next guy. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, he, he got that from a poet, and he just constantly said it. And this guy strikes out looking. He, he stood there like the house by the side of the road and watched the ball go by. Cool. The best, the best baseball expressions are the ones that, without context, make absolutely no sense. Catbird suit. Yeah, exactly. But when you, when you know, you you find out what it means, it's 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 just so obvious. Yeah, or maybe <laughs> obvious isn't the right word, but like it just. It's, it makes sense, and you wonder why you didn't think, you know, uh, figure it out before. In right? a sport that often makes no sense, sometimes you can have nonsense, nonsensical terms make sense. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I don't know what that sentence was, but nope. yeah, all I'm right. going with it though. <laughs> well, house by the side of the road. Let's talk about a barn by the side of the road, or or Ooh. perhaps a barn by the side of a baseball field. Uh, so for those of you that haven't been following baseball over the last week or so, Major League Baseball, uh, we just recently had the first Field of Dreams, uh, it was not an exhibition, uh, the first Field of Dreams game where the Chicago White Sox, the team, the original team featured in, uh, the, first the, the book, Shoeless Joe, and then the movie adaptation, Field of Dreams, uh, the Chicago White Sox took on another, obviously historical team in the New York Yankees and they played it on a cornfield in Iowa uh, just uh, like the, the book just like the movie uh, and it was it was really cool uh, the the fence they did have a fence but it it just beyond that it was corn like just just stalks of corn uh, very small event uh, as a result incredibly expensive I think I saw the median ticket was something around three grand Ooh, and there was like a lottery system you had to get picked from and then you could spend all your money to get it yeah, but uh, it was an amazing game, obviously capped off by Tim Anderson uh, hitting mm-hmm. a walk-off home run uh, deep into the corn. Uh, Brandon, can't say did, baseball isn't romantic. Yeah, Brandon, did you did you watch it live? What were, uh, what were your thoughts I on was that? I was sadly unable to watch it live, but you can bet I watched as many clips as I could because I just love baseball and professional, specifically professional baseball in, you know, unobvious locations or locations that should be played more in like a typical sandlot, for example, or in the field of corn. It was just everything I wanted in the game of baseball. It felt like a, like in a video game, like a video game version of baseball. Like when you can pick like those, those, those play, the, to play in places that don't exist. Like you could hit on the moon or, or have a home run derby on the moon or whatever. That's what it kind of felt like. And it, it, it was so cool to see a baseball game played, somewhere that was so cozy and yeah. so unique 
and I know they want to keep it going because obviously they built a stadium there. Um, and a lot of money. obviously over a, <laughs> yeah, a lot of money over a long duration of time, it'll kind of lose its splendor or its magic. But right. I don't, it's just such a cool, unique place. I don't know if it will if you play it once a year. It's like the Hall of Fame game that they've stopped doing since. Like I, I would love to see a game out there in Cooperstown. Yeah, and I think I. I I understand why they're they're like, oh, let's keep this going, because I think it had something like 16 million people watching it, something, something ridiculous. And so I understand they're like, oh, let's let's do it again. Let's do it again. And, and, you know, get people back. I just wish they would instead of playing Field of Dreams over and over again, play different places. You know, uh, you mentioned the Sandlot earlier, literally play on a Sandlot somewhere or the Sandlot or the Sandlot. It probably doesn't exist. It does. As a matter of fact, a couple miles from me. Yeah, really? Oh, uh-huh. wow. I, that's incredible. Where was it? Really? I thought where was it filmed? Salt Lake City. Wow. I told I thought that was I, I bought that yep. that was Los I, Angeles. I didn't know that either. <laughs> that's incredible. Wow. Movie movie magic. Um, Is there anywhere besides the Sandlot? Maybe a another movie set or, <laughs> or I mean, it doesn't have to be movie themed. Any any other ideas, I guess, for a, a cool game like this? Um, you know, they have baseball league out there in Hawaii. That'd be, that'd be fun to go see a major league baseball game at, um, they have, um, up in Alaska, I think it is, they have that midnight game every year where the sun doesn't set at all. So they have games at midnight. That would be another cool location. That would be really sweet to watch. Also just really trippy. (laughs) (laughs) And if, and if we want to bring the game international Mexico city, where it's like 12,000 million feet up in the altitude, super course field. That would, wow. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about altitude. That would be really cool. I think it would be cool to play. <laughs> this is a joke. I'm just gonna preface this. It's so stupid. Yeah, you know, if we're if we're doing movie like homages to movie baseball scenes, that scene in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie from like 2019, where Sonic oh. plays baseball by himself. Surprisingly, a, a very a very that was fun a fun movie. movie. I enjoyed that so much. Yeah, uh, it was like kind of heartwarming. I feel like everyone had very low expectations <laughs> just because of. The How first I'm, design, yeah, exactly. But it was fun. I I really enjoyed it. But but uh, anyway, that's a joke. Yeah, I I also like how you said back in 2019, as if it were 20 years ago. Well, I mean, uh, you know, 2020 felt like <laughs> that was like a like. Yeah, I'll I'll decade. give you that. Yeah, so that, that's like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, there. I I feel like it'd be really cool to play somewhere with. I mean, obviously, you can't literally play play baseball on a volcano, but have like some more out there themes for baseball games. Like you could you could simulate lava might be fun instead of <laughs> instead of instead of corn oh, beyond it's, the it's, fence is just a, a pit of of magma <laughs> it's it's like that netflix little series uh the floor is lava you know what would be cool you know what would be cool uh everything a, a baseball cage match where there's a it, it's it's they have a <laughs> okay so those of you that are that can't see brandon's face he looks very confused a or they lower a, a cage onto the field and then there's like a ceiling that is in play like a lowered, like a, a low ceiling. And and all it is is Madison Bumgarner standing in the middle waiting for somebody to come in. <laughs> oh, that'd be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's sleeveless. Um, <laughs> it's just very, it's it's like a, it'd be like the, a Thunderdome, like a Mad Max Thunderdome atmosphere mm-hmm. that I'm going for here. Uh, just or, or like that scene in Spider-Man where the cage comes down with with Macho Man. Randy we have Savage. a whole episode about this. Yeah, check check out our, our, our Randy Savage episode. All right. So, so we're getting down the rabbit hole here because we got <laughs> one other person to talk about. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's let's bring it back. So who are we talking about, Brandon? All right. So because we just had that Feel the Dream game and the, the corn field, um, we're going to talk about Archie, Doc, 
Moonlight Graham, as made famous in the book, Shirley Show, and of course in the movie, Field of Dreams. Uh, now, in that movie, I've actually never read the book, so I can't speak too much of that. Ah. But, but in the movie, um, you know, he, he's this mythical figure who only had one plate appearance in Major League Baseball, and that was it. No more, no less, just one, and gone like moonlights, apparently. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I guess that's not what happened at all. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, he, yeah, he did make his Major League debut in a single game in 1905. Um, he took the field in the eighth inning of a blowout. Um, and then in the bottom bottom of the eighth, uh, with his team up by like 10 runs, he was left on deck when the guy in front of him was struck out. And he took ah. the field again in the ninth inning. Uh, from what I could tell from the box scores, uh, maybe a ball was hit to him, but probably not. Uh, he certainly didn't make any outs in the field. Uh, but still, he got to the majors for two innings, basically, without ever having it at bat. Wow. And then he was sent back to the minor leagues. That's 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 brutal, and it kind of reminds me of. I mean, how, there's he's not the only person to have played oh, like no. half an inning of defense and not gotten to hit. Obviously, you know, it's happened a lot. But it, it the person that jumps to mind right now is the oh I forgot his name. I'm sure I've mentioned him on here before. But the player for the Cubs, he debuted with the Cubs like in the you 2000s. did. Yeah, I you mentioned I this before. I forget hit, his name. He got hit in the head with his in the first pitch he ever saw. Got concussed and never, never got. Or he actually did later get get back in. Right, a, a crowd kind of sourced initiative to give him that last at bat, you know, for closure. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's just that's that's brutal. Uh, that yeah. you you could you know work so hard for for that dream and then it's so close and then the guy in front of you yeah and even to get to that point in major league baseball to you know make an appearance you still had to be good at baseball and moonlight graham was good at baseball even in 1905 1905 in fact he was a fast fast player uh because in in that year a newspaper wrote about him that he is known as moonlight so not because he only made a single appearance but because he is supposed to be as fast as a flash Whew, moonlights. That's really a so, self-fulfilling prophecy, that nickname. Isn't it? Like, right. here's, a, this, <laughs> a here's this great nickname. Can have, yeah. yeah, double entendres. And not only was he fast for Moonlight, but he is also, uh, later on in his career, moonlighting in the offseason as being a doctor. So ah. there are so many different meanings to this name. Yeah, so he started playing professional baseball in 1901, and that's the same year he started, or he got his bachelor's at UNC Chapel Hill in medicine. And the next year, he was picked up by a minor league team. And that's when he started his post-grad at medical course as well. Uh, so he was a busy guy. Okay. Uh, now, unfortunately, his first uh, professional baseball team, the Charlotte Hornets, uh, they were disbanded halfway through the season because that tends to happen in 1903 minor league teams. Right. Um, but he he was solid. Hit 297, 17 stolen bases okay. in just 31 games. So you can see how he was fast. Um, now, instead of Joining another team after the team, you know, disbanded, he went back home to uh, study for medicine because I guess that was important or something. Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So as he was moonlighting as being a doctor, he came back the next season and bounced around between three teams uh, for a variety of reasons. Again, mostly it's early 1900s minor league teams. Right. Uh, but he got 30 stolen bases, 10 doubles, seven triples, solid player. And that is when the New York Giants purchased his contract. Of course, Major League Baseball, National League knocking on the door. So they call him up and he sits on the bench. Oh, what's it going to be for about a month? Yeah, for about two months, he he sits on the bench. 
Uh, his manager is John McGraw at the time. And we're not quite sure why McGraw refused to play him for two straight months. Yeah. Um, crazy. What seems likely is that at the time, um, you know, uh, Moonlight not only played professional baseball, but also played collegiate football. Um, I, I guess the rules of the NCAA, I'm sure that didn't exist at the time, were a little bit murky on how athletes could get paid for playing sports, still be considered <laughs> an amateur, sure. Uh, but it seems likely he he picked up some kind of injury playing football, and he couldn't, you know, wasn't quite up to up to par in baseball. And, and so he also, had him benched. There's also the additional, you know, it's 1905, and people hated rookies, like like veterans, and even even like old managers hated rookies. Like they were just like, and not in the like nice tooth you know now it's like oh maybe they'll make they'll ask them if they want to dress up in a halloween costume and go get coffee or something you know like some nice like yeah, yeah, yeah. lighthearted yeah dressing. no like, i'm Blood gonna like on fire and and you know like like just it they hated rookies so i i can i can kind of understand yeah so an injury too bit, bit of that then uh so then comes june 29th the full month and a half nearly two months after he was called up and the giants are blowing out brooklyn 10 nothing and McGraw right, empties the bench. Skip, skip past that part, but <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't your Dodgers. It was, it was a super buzz. Oh, you're right. You're right. Well, same <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so we empty the bench in with Graham for his two innings of work, and after the game, never once uh, sees light of Major League Baseball again. Uh, he was immediately sold back to the Scranton Miners. Another great name. Um, it may have been a rehab assignment to get back into the swing of things, but really, after two months, it's a little late to go on the rehab assignments. Uh, so while that marked the end of his major league playing days, he did bounce around for a while still in the minor leagues um, w- with some solid seasons under his belt as well, and was even uh, almost given the chance to play for the Boston Americans, who Cy Young was pitching for at the time, yeah. uh, the very next season. Uh, but because players didn't have a right as to where they could play, uh, the Giants still held his rights and refused to sell him to the Americans. Um, so that was pretty much that. Um, he That's he called it brutal. The, the, it the is. Day, you have a chance. Baseball when when they just owned you uh, pretty much up until Kurt Flood, where they just owned you for your yeah. That's just and the worst. and actually, uh, the Giants I think made a proposal to Moonlight that if he could pay back the, his contract, then he can go. That's just a slap in the face. Luckily, he's a doctor, at least. <laughs> he's a doctor, yeah. Um, and he actually made a, a good life for himself being a doctor in uh, Chisholm, Minnesota. Uh, that's where he eventually settled down, became a magnificent fixture in the community, uh, joined school boards, was a doctor for a variety of areas, um, and actually still has a scholarship named after him for graduating high schoolers. That's cool. Yeah. So, you know, he had he had... A, a great time playing, I guess, collegiate football as well. Right. Baseball, got his med, med school in, became a doctor. He lived a good life overall. And um, I don't think, it didn't seem like he was a sad figure as portrayed in Field of Dreams, but he lived a nice full life and yeah. great baseball story. Great American nice, story. He lived a nice full life, you know, as a doctor. And then, you know, about 100 years later, his ghost helped uh, an yeah. Iowan man reconnect with his dead father. So, I mean, I would I would take that life. <laughs> I wonder I'd how, become a ghost in the cornfield. I wonder how the, you know, the Graham family feels about his portrayal in Field of Dreams. That might be something interesting. Well, he didn't, him and his wife didn't have any children. Um, oh. So I'm not That's sure right. if they do. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, he passed, I think, in the 70s, and then his wife okay. passed, I think, in 81 before the movies came out. Right. So, 
Right? Yeah. Well, Just uh, a figure in history. Yeah. That was, with a scholarship after him. Yeah. I mean, like there's, yeah, the baseball thing didn't work out, but it rarely works out for a lot of people, but it's really cool. That he I mean, hey, he made it to the majors. I see yeah, that works out. That is where, yeah, he got, he got on a major league field. It's more than, more than we've done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but it's really cool that he he dedicated he was able to you know make something and dedicate the rest of his life to helping other people, and he got in a movie after his death. So it's pretty, I, I Perfect. consider that a a, a success. Um, <laughs> I agree. Well, all right, Brandon, this was a a very crisp episode. I feel like you know we uh, very very solid. Um, and it's about it's about time to wrap things up. So uh, if you like what you're hearing. Be sure to follow Short Hops and Tall Tales on Twitter so you never miss an episode. That's at Short Hops PL. You can follow Brandon for his really cool tr- tweets about Star Trek that I'm still working on understanding <laughs> at BD Riddle and myself at Noah A. Scott 6. Uh, I, I was just, I'm a Star Wars guy and I know they shouldn't be mutually exclusive. I just don't have as mm-hmm. n- enough knowledge to. Uh, I love both. <laughs> they have a, we should do an episode because don't they have a Star Trek episode uh, or a baseball so, episode uh, in Star Trek? See, Captain Cisco in Deep Space Nine is a very big baseball fan. Um, I think his team is the 99ers, I want to say. He has a baseball. Anyway, yes, that's, that's a whole different episode. Okay, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We'll, we'll write that on the on the board. Uh, <laughs> anyway, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're currently listening to this podcast. Uh, if you like, if you're liking it, leave a review. Uh, you know, help us reach new people to talk baseball with. Uh, but for Brandon Riddle, uh, I'm Noah Scott, and this has been the Short Hops and Tall Tales podcast. See you next time.